0: Hey there, welcome back to the Path of Zion podcast. We are Rediscovering the ancient Way. Thank you so much for tuning back in for this series we've got ongoing here. Accusations and Acts. It is a subtle removal of truth, and we're going to get right to it. I'm not even going to do any kind of an intro or anything. Um, We've got to get moving. Basically, in part two, all I did was read different excerpts of the latter chapters of the book of Acts, talking about the pattern that is clear as a bell and stated when we read it through the lens that I believe is contextually correct, that, that Shaul was always being errantly brought up against what he was really saying. He, what he was saying was being challenged and and tweaked to be something it was not. And his accusers would constantly throw accusations towards him, upon him, hated him, wanted to kill him. And time and time again, everybody else who had the vantage point that could see clearly said, I don't know what your problem is. This man's not, there's no evidence that he's doing what you're saying. As we read specifically, the only thing I see he has a problem with is, uh, is your oral tradition. He's coming up against, one, one version even says, he's, talking, he's coming up against your fairy tales. <laughs> and of course, that is really the truth. That was the vantage point that was quite clear. Um, And so we read many, many verses in in the book of Acts. Um, And now I'm going to launch into a a little bit more focused um, examination of accuse and accuser using the Bible, of course. This shows up for the last time in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, An accuser appears. um, This time as a function of the adversary. Quote, The great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our Elohim and the authority of his anointed one. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them before Elohim day and night has been thrown out. Now, I had a note in my Bible that I had written years ago. Um, I don't even remember. It's been a long time. It's, it's pretty faint. Uh, pointed back to Psalm chapter 31, verse 18, it says this, May lying lips be struck dumb that speak arrogantly against the righteous with such pride and contempt. And friend, this was the warning to those individuals, and this is a warning to us today. That we need to be careful, known or unknown, that we are not found siding with or possessing lying lips. May we not speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. And that's what these individuals were doing in light of Shaul and what he was presenting, which was the full gospel. He's saying, look, y'all, I met the Messiah. I did not understand Before that moment, I didn't have eyes to see. I, towards this matter, was not walking in the light. But now I understand that Messiah has come and fulfilled all of the law and the prophets, and now we have what preceded Him and Him both to move into the future and become the called-out assembly and that was the sect that he was the ringleader of, the capital W-Way. Those, the, the followers of the way, the ones who walked in the way of Yeshua at this time point on, before it got tainted quickly in the third century, were the ones who were the called out, set apart, consecrated assembly, keeping Yahweh's called out, separate, holy, consecrated feasts and Sabbath. That was what defined Yahweh's people throughout all history. And I talked about this just again last night, it's still on my refrigerator. Whether it was Solomon or whoever we want to say it was who, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, we know the ups and downs and primarily downs of the writings in Ecclesiastes, and it culminates in a verse that just will will Wreck our entire life if we give it a chance. Which this individual, this if it's Solomon, what we're told the most wise man to ever live, he pens for all of eternity written in stone when all is said and done. After we do every single thing that we can ever do, the only thing that matters is this. Fear Yahweh Elohim and keep his mitzvot. His commandments. Friends, is that enough? Is that enough? Well, no, because that leaves out Jesus. No, sir, it does not. It does not. (laughs) Because the full gospel that Yeshua personified by coming back to earth to redeem a fallen, divorced man who could not come back to the Father, covenantally speaking, he carved out a way for all of the scattered nations to come back in through the promise made to Abraham so many years previous and fulfill everything the law and the prophets declared was coming, and now we enter into the fullness that the slain lamb purchased on our behalf. And so when we just say, well, he came to die for my sin, no, friend, that is on the molecular level of the gospel. Yeshua did not come to keep you from going to hell. Sorry, that's not his that's not his purpose. That wasn't his function. It's much, much greater, much greater than that. So in Revelation, there's this accuser who accuses the brothers and sisters, the children of Elohim, day and night. And this this verse that I referenced does lying lips be struck dumb because they speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt? And these men in Shaul's day were full of pride and contempt. And Shaul was the one who would have been deemed righteous to use this specifically. We see it with Yeshua, Stephen, all the way back to Moses. (laughs) Lying lips oppose righteousness. And just like the accuser of the brethren they look to exalt their own ways, their own law, above Yahweh's. And isn't I mean, that's what Hasatan did in the garden. We know that, right? The devil, he, he said, I will ascend. We talked about that in the Moed series. I will sit on the Mount of Moed. I will sit upon the, the, the appointed times. I'm going to rule this thing. My rules, my law, my way. And then he offers that to mankind, and mankind literally bites on it, and then thereby they are cursed, cast out. Tower of Babel, anyone? I mean, it's the cycle of humanity. Of course, we know this. So in light of what I shared, we must know the full story of what was taking place in Shaul's day. It would do us all well to add to our understanding of Shaul's experiences specifically that accusations do not equate to fact. A proper knowledge of the biblical evidence that those who accused Shaul were not proven correct is imperative for the New Covenant believer. We've got to understand the full context of what we are told when we say, when when we read rather that an accusation was brought against Shaul. We have got to read to the end, because it is always told, and it was disproven, and no one could bring charge against him, and he was deemed innocent, and, and, and. The accusations don't mean anything. (laughs) Well, they're saying you're going against the law of Moses. Well, who cares what they say? That's clarified that's not what he was saying or doing in any way. (laughs) So the accusation, ironically, has has remained being a subtle removal of truth. The accus- and that's why I'm saying this, accusations and acts. I believe the accusations have become doctrine. I'll ask you. I mean, consider that, won't you? Is it possible that anywhere in your doctrinal makeup and understanding the accusations have defined your doctrine? Well, this says that Paul was accused about tearing down the, the teachings of the synagogue. Okay. Yes, it does. Can, can we keep reading? Uh, Oh, well, it says that that he wasn't doing that. Okay, let's move to the next one. (laughs) The the Word of God normally helps us understand these things by itself. And, of course, I need help a lot of times. Do you? (laughs) Perhaps. In light of what I've shared, we've got to know the full story. A proper knowledge of the biblical evidence that those who accused Shaul were not proven correct is imperative for the New Covenant believer... There are many things that Shaul states that, that takes a lot of time to properly understand in proper context. Uh, and, and I don't understand at all. I, I I have no problem admitting I will read a lot of his writings and I'll be like, he's, and I said this in part one, it sounds like he's arguing with himself. It sounds like he's opposing himself. I love the color black. Two chapters later, stay away from the color black. What what does he mean? Well, I don't know the context. I'm ignorant. I don't understand what he was saying. Is that possible that we can read an an author of of the Word of God and be like, you know what, I just don't understand what he's saying. We don't have to read this and have rock-solid foundational doctrinal beliefs every time we close the book. It's okay. We're on a journey that will take our lives to figure this stuff out, and it's very complicated, as Peter tells us as we'll read here in a few minutes. We have to know proper context and foundation for Shaul's constant exhortation of Torah and the prophets. No one can argue that point. If we're going to say that there's sides to this, if you're on the anti-Torah side, which many people are, both sides are chock full of people. It's easy to just grab a verse out of Galatians. They see, see what he said right there. I I get it. I admittedly. If you just grab a verse and read it, yep, that sounds exactly like it opposes uh, an endorsement of Torah being, being for the New Testament believer. I don't argue that point. But, but I always follow that up with, well, can I keep talking about that and, and e- extrapolate a little bit? Because the reality is, but we may not understand it from a casual reading. We may not understand it the, the, the way it's been presented in that commentary, can we, can we look at this? Can we consider this? Can we listen to this guy's take on it who may know way more than we'll ever know about the matter? That's my suggestion, to arrive at truth. And many people love to dig out truth in such a manner. Um, the end of Acts chapter, 20, uh, chapter 21. I don't even know what that is. Let's read it. It's in my notes. Okay, here it is. When we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us gladly. On the next day, Shaul went in with us to Jacob. All the elders were present. After greeting them, he, Shaul, reported to them in detail what Yahweh had done among the Gentiles. The Goyim, man! What? The Goyim, wait. The Goyim are coming in? They're doing feasts? They're showing up for Shabbat gatherings? They are... Taking part in the reading of the Torah? What? Yeah. (laughs) And when they heard this, they began glorifying Yahweh. They said, You see, brother, how many myriads there are among the Jewish people who have believed? They are zealous for the Torah. Wait, what? Is that okay? Hey, hey. People are coming into Christianity but they love the Torah. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. And that's really, I mean I'm laughing but like man, I don't know how many people like are oh my oh. Are you studying Hebrew? Are you going back under the law? <laughs> it's just very strange how people are with this stuff. It's whoa. I, I, I'm, I'm attempting to understand and, and study and rightly live according to the Bible from cover to cover, friend. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, these myriads, these hordes of people among the Jews who have believed they're zealous for the Torah. They've been told about you that you teach all the Jewish people among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Telling them not to circumcise their children or to walk according to the customs, what in the world's to be done then? No doubt they will hear that you're here. They'll know that you've come. Now Paul was, of course, challenging their their oral law that stated one must be circumcised for salvation, <laughs> as opposed to salvation by faith. This isn't a circumcision issue. This is a faith issue. Mm. Shaul speaks to this point again. We'll let the Bible talk instead of just me. Galatians chapter 6. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the Torah themselves. Uh Uh-oh, now he's stepping on toes again. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Okay? So Paul knew their motives. He knew their intention. It didn't have anything to do with Torah. It didn't have anything to do with With good customs, good traditions, it had to do with themselves. As it always did, that they may boast even in the flesh of others who had been circumcised because of them. They didn't care about the Torah. Just boasting in their own traditions. And this is what they were accusing Shaul and others of disrupting. Their control. Even in the main area of our text, Acts chapter 24, verse 6. Specifically, the leaders... Stated, we wanted to judge him. Oh, here we are. This is where we were, I believe, back in part one. And I said, ah, I can't find it. Where is it? Here we are. Acts 24, verse 6. We're talking about this circumcision stuff. Um, what does he say? He, Shaul, even tried to desecrate the temple. So we arrested him. And we wanted to judge him according to our own... Law, And this is what I talked about earlier in a previous uh, part of this series. It is of utmost importance we know what in the world law they're talking about. They are not talking about the Torah. They didn't possess the Torah. It wasn't theirs to have. It wasn't theirs to hold. They had their own. This word is nomos. Okay? <laughs> nomos. To our point, they're concerned their law was not the Torah. Everyone then knew this, but we have not. We have not been told this part of the proper context of this. So, moving on. The same. Uh, we're still um, in Galatians six. So, do what we tell you. These men are talking to Shaul. They're like, "Look, man, this isn't going to go good for you." They know you're here. They're still angry. <laughs> we have four men who have a vow on themselves. A vow. Wait. Here we are again. You want me to do that funny thing? <laughs> Wait, they're they're taking vows in synagogues on the other side of Jesus. Can they do that? <laughs> this stuff's comical. Sorry, I get tickled. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, there's these four men, and they have to take a vow. Look into Nazarite vow if you uh, are unfamiliar. So they say to will take them and purify yourself along with them. What? I thought he's washed in the blood of Jesus. Why does he need to purify himself? Well, he was all things to all people. He he did that just to satisfy the crowds. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is Shaul, man. This this guy's no joke. He's not trying oh, are we good now? Are we good now? You want me to sing a song for you? No. (laughs) It wasn't like, like that at all. So anyway, he purifies himself along with them as they're telling him to do this and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Again, Nazarite vow. That way all will realize there is nothing to the things which they have been told about you, but that you yourself walk in an orderly manner, keeping the Torah. So in other words, all the leaders that are spewing accusations about you, brother, They're saying all these things and the people are starting to listen. The people have been told something about you that's not true. And so go and do these things because this is what you can do to show them, you know what? I'm keeping the Torah and I'm walking in an orderly manner. And all these things that these guys are saying about me, man, it's hogwash. It's hogwash. I'm not here to tear down anything that preceded me. Neither was my Messiah. And we looked at this just in the start somewhere series, the return series days ago. Continues on in verse 25 of um, Galatians 6. As for Gentiles who have believed, however, we have written by letter what we decided for them to what remember abstain from things that are offered to idols, and from blood, and from what is strangled, and from immorality, all about idolatry, all about uh, the Goyim nation uh, ways of ways of the nations. Leave all that junk behind now. You worship the one true God, period. That's it. Leave those things behind. Don't do that anymore. That is part of how you will be consecrated, set apart. You will be different now. Continues The next day, Shaul took the men, purifying himself along with them. He's doing what they recommended. He went into the temple announcing when the days of purification would be completed and and the sacrifice would be offered for each one of them. Oh, honey, this gets worse. They're talking about sacrifices, days of purification, and and Shaul's in the temple and he's not tearing it down. Leviticus chapter 14, if you want more information about what Shaul's taking part in, um, these days of purification. And why in the world were they still doing it? Because that's what you did as part of the followers of the way. It's what you did. Christianity has greatly misunderstood their patriarch, Paul. Let us remember, I mentioned this earlier, and I've heard men say this to me, when I've had my own questions about Paul's teachings, I'm like, what in the world? What is he talking about? This makes no sense. This is confusing. This is contradictory. Thankfully, I've had some men in my life say, look, brother, the problem is us, not him. The problem is we don't understand. Or the translation's so st- stinky, <laughs> bad. We don't even know what he said and what he was insinuating. We're presumptuous, and we have Christian doctrine. We have all these layers of teaching and errant theology. We've got a lot. Of, we're a complicated mess. So Peter tells us this, 2 Peter chapter 3. Shaul speaks about these matters in all of his letters. Some things in them are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist, as they do also with the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Interestingly to me, um, Peter concludes his entire letters now. He concludes his entire letters that have recorded to us with this. Quote, since you already know all this loved ones be on your guard so that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and thereby lose your sure footing instead keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our messiah yeshua friend do you understand it's it's like to me peter was was walking in the in the function of a prophet here it was as it was as if he knew that we would find ourselves in this present moment debacle (laughs) and condition towards Shaul's writings. Because he said what? Again, look, man, Shaul's crazy hard to understand. Sometimes he doesn't make sense. I don't know what he's saying half the time myself. Be careful with what you hear and how you read is what I'm paraphrasing. And then he does say this, quote, Some things in what Shaul speaks are hard to understand. His letters are hard to understand. And if you're ignorant and if you're unstable, you're going to twist it to your own destruction. We have been told, prophesied that this is exactly what would happen. And friend, that is a bullseye for my age right here, right now. Don't be led astray by the error of the lawless. And what do we say today? I know I'm redundant. Law, burden. We're dispelling that yet again in another way, another version of these accusations in the book of Acts. This is also why Peter could quote Isaiah and write this, quote, You have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word, Of Yahweh Elohim. Now, friend, just real quick, what was the what was the living and enduring word of Yahweh Elohim when Peter sat down to write? I'm waiting. (laughs) It's not the newer testament, friend. It's the law and the prophets. He goes on, for all humanity is like grass, and all its glory is like a wildflower. The grass withers, flowers fall, but the word of Yahweh endures forever. And this is the word that was proclaimed as good news to you. Friend, the good news did not start in the new church post Acts 2. It didn't. I I say that all the time. I have series about that. The word of God that preceded these men writing these books that thank, thank the Father we have what preceded was sufficient to deliver the good news when it smacked right up against the arrival of Yeshua Messiah. The good news is ancient. <laughs> what Shaul, Peter, and so many others preached that was entirely sufficient to birth, the new covenant assembly have called out once, and it was used to bring people to repentance and regeneration in Messiah. What Shaul taught That was the exact same thing that the law and prophets foretold. The teachers of the Talmudic oral law hated. Therefore, they brought accusations against him. We must know the difference and properly understand that the accusation brought against Shaul, all the accusations against him were unwarranted and unjustified. Yeshua sums this all up better than any one of us ever could when he is speaking in what has been called the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it, you've read it, you know it. It's Matthew chapter 5. Quote, this is Yeshua speaking. Do not think that I have come to abolish and don't check out because I know what he's going to say. Or I know what he's going to say. Let's just listen to the text. (laughs) Don't think that I've come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a yod or a stroke, a jot or tittle, will pass from the Torah until all is accomplished. Again, why, why do these things matter about Hebrew understanding and all this and that? If you know anything about the Hebrew language, a, a, a yod, a, a jot or a tittle is just the tiniest little mark, just a little <coughs> that's on the Torah. The tiniest, tiniest little Seemingly nothing, insignificant thing, but yet it is not. The verbiage is important. Not even that smallest little stroke will pass from the Torah until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness, here we are, this is all full circle if you're paying attention, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, which is what? External only, self-generated traditions, exalters of oral law, one's own one's own governmental rule and authority. Unless your righteousness exceeds um, that of these men, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, David knew the beauty of Father's ways when he wrote this. The Torah of Yahweh is perfect let's just stop and think about that wherever you are in your understanding if if you already know all this just just raise your hands and thank the father that this is true join in with David's beautiful verbiage of, of this reality and if it's new to you maybe plug this into your understanding of when you hear Torah you think burden and 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 all these whatever adjectives you come up with David. He, man, he wrote of something much different um, than Christianity promotes today by misunderstanding and, and misappropriation of what Torah even is because of the subtle re- uh, removal of truth. So this is what David said. The Torah of Yahweh is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple, the precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandments of Yahweh, pure, enlightening the eyes. Friend, the Torah of Yahweh is perfect. I don't know of much else aside from Yeshua himself, which around here we call the living Torah. There's no other perfection to look to. He was the Word made flesh. Despite knowing this remains, many have understood Shaul and Paul, we'll call him, incorrectly. I still do it today. I, I am ignorant. I, I am unlearned. Um, I am working on that. Neither Yeshua, Shaul, or any other righteous man would deny this truth. Accusations continue to fly that say Torah has passed away, yet the word of Yahweh remains true. The prophets, the disciples, the apostles, the first, second, most of the third century assembly of called out ones, all understood what we have just not inherited in this version of what we call Christianity. It has not remained. It has not endured. But it is coming back to life. It's a prophecy um, unfolding that there would be a return to this ancient way, to an ancient path. Um, We can't open that up here as we bring this to a conclusion. But it is part of what's been prophesied would happen um, at the end of the age. But we have to acknowledge that we have not properly understood Shaul. We've not known him. Um, so my challenge is this: let us be found in the let us not be found. <laughs> let us not be found in the assembly of accusers. Because we've been ignorant or we have failed to investigate these things further in their proper context. Because, in light of what I've shared in this series, I hope it's been clear to at least submit before you as a consideration. I mean, that's, that's just what I'm always doing here. This is, I believe, a different perspective on something that, that most believers, myself included, for my whole life until recently thought I understood. Um, but, oh my goodness, I was, I was wrong entirely. Um, and I myself had to repent of not properly handling uh, the full gospel and what men like Shaul were teaching me uh, through his writings and through his efforts, as tough as they are sometimes to understand, to reveal to me uh, my Father's plan. So I submit that for consideration. Accusations and acts, they're all over the place. The accusers of the righteous. Um, But praise the Father every single time it comes back null and void because truth triumphs over accusations. We see that throughout Shaul's life. We see it in the life of Yeshua. We see it with Stephen. We see it with so many individuals all the way back. I mean, Abraham, Moses, Noah, men who looked like fools in the eyes of men uh, were, were vindicated by the Father in whatever way he chose fit for that individual. Um, but friend, I submit to you, um, ways in our life individually, let's look inward. There has been a subtle removal of truth. Um, because I believe again as I said in part two, I believe, we have made accusations doctrine. Um, so I would just encourage you to study this for yourself from this vantage point, through this lens if you will, and consider is this true? Ask Holy Spirit to reveal all things to you towards it And my encouragement to you is be open to be wrong, uh, to do to be deemed errant in your own understanding as I often do, um, because it is part of my normal life to let this Word of God show me what is and what is not. And when I discover something in me that is not according to this, it's got to go. Some things are easy, some things are hard. um, But Whatever the case, I hope that's the journey you are on as well. You have been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We are Rediscovering the Ancient Way. We're over there at pathdesign.com Reach out to us anytime on Facebook. Uh, we just have a page there. Or email us at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to come where you are or have you come here if uh, we can all afford gas. Um, thank you for your emails. I love it when you, you anyone, reaches out and, and talks to us about anything. It's a fantastic thing that I so enjoy. So thank you. Thank you for those of you who do that. And for those who watch this program and are in my life and are a constant encouragement, say, brother... Whether you agree or disagree, but like, you know, brother, I just like that you're like leaning into the to the heart of the father the best you know how. Like hopefully we see that in one another and we see it as honorable. Um, That is our hope is that we're all journeying to truth. So thank you for watching. We will be back for more stuff sometime. Who knows when? Um, Pat Design Podcast. Amen.